0: Hey, what's going on, podcast listeners, and welcome back to another episode of Building Roman's Empire Podcast, where we talk about real deals. But in today's episode, guys, we're talking about zoning. Um, And this is actually going to be a case study on zoning on the flip that we did. So a lot of people hear the term being thrown around, like, oh, zoning, make sure the zoning is right, look for a particular zoning, and like, what does this all mean? Uh, what exactly is zoning? So we're going to dive deep into the whole zoning situation that happened with me and my flip, uh, and at the same time, I'll touch briefly on what zoning's all about. So guys, no, um, no news today, no fluff, none of that stuff. We're just going to get right into the actual topic in today's podcast, guys. So let me, let me just touch on zoning a little bit, and then I'll get into the story of what made me even talk about it today. All right, so what exactly is zoning? You know, zoning is every, every lot, every parcel in any given city is usually zoned. Township, city, whatever. It doesn't matter. It's zoned by the Planning and Zoning Commission. So it could be zoned as a residential, it could be zoned as commercial, it could be zoned as residential multifamily, it could be zoned as mixed use, it could be zoned as warehouse, it could be zoned as whatever. So, for example, um, sometimes the house that sits on the land is not the house that it's zoned for. So, for example, um, you could have a larger piece of land in a densely populated area that's that's actually zoned multifamily residential, so you can build an apartment complex on it, but there's only one single family house sitting on that current plot of land. That's also known as highest and best use of land. There's a term, um, highest and best use. So a lot of times what investors will do, this is touching on a little bit of a different topic, but what investors will do, they will look out and and find uh, these parcels and parcels of land that are not being used to their fullest potential. They're not being used to their highest and best use. So um for example, they'll, they'll find a single-family house on the bigger um, plot of land that's zoned multifamily residential, and then they'll just buy that at a single-family price. And knowing that it's zoned multifamily residential, they'll flip it to a multifamily developer. Or you know if it's a sophisticated investor, they'll just knock the house down and build an apartment building on there themselves depending obviously on what it's designed and zoned for. So that's a little bit on zoning guys and th- this is something that I nobody ever like showed me or taught me how do you how what is zoning and how do you interpret it and where do you even find what things are zoned as? So um I'll touch on this right now as well. Um so every city has every city, every township, every village, every municipality, they have this this old book i I mean that from my experience that's how it's been so far they have this old book sitting somewhere in the city that has um all the plan all the zoning for all the lots um now maybe some more sophisticated cities have all of that on the computer now which i'm sure they do but um Usually, it's like some old book and it's some old lady that you have to get a hold of and you're you have to call about a particular lot and say, "Hey, what is this lot zoned for Because um, you can actually go on the county and you can you can see what the county says the county website a lot of times it will have zoning in there, but sometimes it's like, what does that mean? there'll be like a letter just you know letter b or letter RL you know or different letters and numbers or R5100 like what what does all that mean so so you can actually go on the county website you can get the zoning if it's correct sometimes it's not but then you actually call the planning and zoning commission in that particular um a city that you're dealing with and you talk to whoever's in charge of zoning there okay so and then you you ask them hey I'm calling about this lot or I'm calling about this house and you ask them what exactly is it zoned as right now and what could it potentially be because there's Always, you can always change zoning. Also, it's a long process, you have to go through the zoning and planning commission, the city council. But um, if you go through all the pain and the headache, and then a meeting with the local people and they have to approve, you can actually change zoning, but you have to go through this painful year long process. So, um, and again, this is zoning is not my expertise, I just know a little bit about it because. Um, It just helps me, you know, in doing deals. And and actually, we'll go right into why I even thought about doing the podcast on zoning because of this flip that we just did. So here's what happened, guys. It'll be a story format. I'll just tell you the whole story. So a lead came to us, you know, probably three months ago. And it was a good lead. And I went and looked at it and they're asking a reasonable price. It was an inheritance situation, so it was, it was a probate situation. Um, if you know how I feel about probates, probates are my favorite deals because I they're just the best. The most motivated people, the most motivated sellers I've ever dealt with, the best six-figure fi- six deals that I've gotten on flips all came off of probates. Um so anyway, I went and looked at this house and I walked through, everything's good, seller's super motivated. I used my negotiation tactics, we locked it in, and I did my research, we locked it in at a really low price. I mean I I knew this was a deal. Like I was getting it at a heck of a deal. Like literally 50 cents on the dollar at for that for this particular property. But as I as we were wrapping up, you know, maybe a couple of weeks into being under contract, we were about to close and I was like, Hey, let me look at some comps and see what's going on. You know, j- just kind of looking ahead, thinking like, all right, th- this is going to be an easy flip. It's going to take us a month. Um, so in a month we're going to be like selling this thing. So I'm already looking at comps, seeing what's on the market. Um, and I, I open up Redfin and what do I see? the, the lot next door to the house I'm putting under contract is for sale for like a million dollars. And I'm like, what the heck is this? And it's like 15 acres of land. Well, it, no, it was actually, it was actually nine, nine acres or something like that. It doesn't matter. Um, but yeah, so I, um, I see this and I'm like, Oh, so I'm, I started doing more digging. Right so what what I found out was it was the lot directly behind the house that I was about to purchase and flip. It was a nine acre acre parcel, and the easement to that lot was literally right next door to my parcel that i was that I was purchasing so I'm like, "Oh hell no like this this might be a development here. this might be a development situation so and it wasn't there. That's the thing, like it the it wasn't for sale when I put the house under contract because I remember I checked and I looked what's going on around the neighborhood. But then as we got closer to closing, I see that I see this this parcel for sale. Nine-acre parcel. Easement is literally right next to the driveway. Um, like to the house that I'm purchasing, like literally right next door. So I'm thinking, okay, so if there is a development that goes in, because I'm, I'm, you know, researching neighborhoods and I see all these other small developments, like all around that neighborhood, right there. Because this house was off off of a main street. I guess I should have mentioned that this house was off of a main street. And then the easement came in right next to the house that I'm purchasing. That would, if a developer purchased it in development, would go in right into uh, the developer, the the development. And the access way would be next door to the house I'm flipping. Like, who would want to live next to that? Like, think about it. If a developer was to buy it and put a development in there, who wants an easement of a development with an entryway right next to their house? So their backyard is literally a freaking. Um, access point. So, so I started like thinking, man, this sucks. This is going to kill the deal. And I even thought like, this is this sucks. This is never going to happen. Um, who, if 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 I was to flip it and put it on the market, like people would start asking questions and say, um, what is this lot behind us? I mean, is this going to be a development? I mean, look at all these all these developments around in you know similar developments in the area. Is it gonna be another one of those? Like what's going on? So so before I actually backed out, because I was gonna back out, I'm like, you know what, let me actually do my own research on this. And then once I do my own research, I'll come up with my own conclusion. And then I'll choose whether I'm gonna move forward or whether I'm gonna back out. So first thing I did was I picked up the phone and I called the listing agent of that parcel, that nine acre parcel. And I asked them everything I could ask as if I was the buyer, you know, as if I'm a potential buyer looking at the property. So, you know, the guy wasn't very helpful. This, you know, this agent basically rushed me off the phone and didn't give me any information, just, um, so so you that that phone call was so useless and that guy was useless as well so um but one thing i will tell you is like i ran uh, at the same time i ran other comps for other big uh, parcels that sold in that area and i saw that this parcel was like way overpriced like overpriced by like 500 grand like four to five hundred grand, so I'm like, eh, it is overpriced. Maybe nobody's gonna buy it. So the next thing I did was I called the city. I called the city and I, I was like, you know, I went through. You know, if you ever call the city, you're gonna go through many different people before you actually get to the person that actually knows what they're talking about, or the person that you actually need to talk to. So I finally got a hold of this lady. And, um, I was very nice to her. I was very polite because I knew that she had the answers, and I needed the answers so um so, I was talking to her, you know a little bit of small talk, and then finally we got to talking and, and I asked her everything I could about this lot, so she pretty much broke it all down. She's like, oh yeah that this lot she goes, oh yeah, that zone that zone commercial that's gonna that's gonna be like uh." That's going to be like a Walmart or like a big Kmart or like one of those, you know. So I'm like, oh, God, I'm like even worse. Well, who's going to want to live with the Walmart behind them? I'm like, what the heck? So, um, so what happened was uh, I kind of got discouraged. So I kept like asking her more questions, more questions. And then this old lady um, finally like flips her huge book and says, you know what? it's actually not commercial. It's residential low density. She goes, "It's it was written, handwritten in, and I, I must have misread it because it was written so long ago, but it's actually zoned residential low density. So I'm like, what does that mean, residential low density? So she's like, so that means that each lot has to be at least half an acre with a hundred foot frontage. Okay. And so I started doing the math. I'm like, all right. Well, if each lot has to be half an acre, with at least a hundred foot frontage, th- this makes no sense. No developer would buy those nine acres and put um, and put house. Uh, it, it just it wouldn't justify the cost. You still have to develop the land before you build the houses, and then you got to put a road in the middle and and develop the land. And I am like, yeah, th- th- there is no way. So I did the math, and I am like, okay, would a half acre minimum lot with a 100 foot frontage this makes no sense and this kills the deal immediately to any developer so then i was thinking all right so at, at what cost would this make sense and then i did more i kind of worked my numbers backwards and i realized all right for this to make sense for this deal to make sense to any developer they need to buy for literally quarter of the price that they're selling it at and they're probably not going to do that um Let's see. Then I, I also realized this. I did more research on this lot that's for sale behind me, and I realized, like, oh, this lot has been on the market and off the market numerous times, and it's always around the million-dollar mark, so um, I knew that it wasn't going to sell. Like it's th- Whoever the seller is on this um, obviously wants too much for the, the actual lot. So then I took it a step further and I went down to the neighbors, the neighbor to the right and the left. And I talked to them, and I, and, and I asked about this lot in the back, and the neighbor pretty much told me a lot of stuff and said that, yeah, the city, the, all the local people are very much against this being developed. And uh, they even said that this has been proposed in the past, and it's not going to happen because the easement is too narrow between the two houses to put a road, uh, an entry road into the development. So um, it's not going to happen. Um Well, at least according to the neighbors. So whatever, you know, take that for what it is. So then, uh, you know, I took that into consideration and then I called the city back and I, you know, I talked to the city, that old lady again with the old book. And I said, listen, lady, I know that it's zoned residential low density, but what would it take if a developer bought it and said, you know what, I'm going to put apartment buildings in here or I'm going to put I'm going to put cluster homes or townhomes or condos. And she basically broke down the process for me. So she said the only thing that that you that a developer could ask for is to zone it. Um, let's see, is to zone it um, with townhomes. So basically, the only thing they could ask for is to build rezone it as town townhomes. With townhomes, you have less of a frontage. Um, I think it it went from 100 feet, foot frontage to 85, and and then but you have to go through this crazy process. So you got to present it to the zoning and planning commission, then the city council, then you have the public hearing, then it goes back to the planning planning commission, and then once the planning commission actually approves it, then it goes back to the city council for a final review. The whole process can take well over a year, and uh, yeah. So anyway, so. The terms that I was looking for previously was cluster homes. It's not townhomes. It's cluster homes. So that's that's what they could have possibly built is cluster homes back there. Okay. However, there's a caveat to this. The lady told me it can't be cluster homes unless it's feet 15 acres or more. Because if it's under 15 acres, it doesn't qualify as cluster homes. So I was I was in luck because. There's only nine acres. But I called the agent again, that terrible agent that I dealt with in, in the first place, and I asked about the acreage because I, I was looking on the maps, and I saw that there's another parcel right next to it that was just about seven acres or something, that was not for sale. And I asked him about that parcel too. And as if I'm a developer, right? I'm calling this agent as if I'm a developer trying to develop cluster homes. So I said, hey, listen, man, um, you know, I'm thinking about doing this and that. Um, you know, the minimum acreage for cluster homes in this area is 15 acres. Your lot for sale is only nine acres. I was wondering, you know, if these other acres were for sale. And I should mention that it was the same people that owned it. So he actually, before I even finished asking him this, he goes, "Oh yeah, yeah, my people are. They actually own the other seven acres or whatever it was. So they're actually willing to sell you the nine and the other acreage to make it a total of like seventeen acres or something." And um, and I'm like, "Okay, perfect, cool, all right." So then. Um, I hung up the phone with them so now I knew this information right I knew well um, I knew a ton of information by this point it, I literally sat there for a couple of days straight on the phone researching all this stuff before I made a decision. So now we had all this crazy information. So now we know that there is a potential for cluster homes but it used to be 15 acres or less uh, or more I'm sorry at least 15 acres or more. Um, the other potential is regular single family houses. However, the frontage and the lot, uh, minimum lot size doesn't really work out for a developer. It makes no sense at that price point. Even at cluster homes price point, it still wouldn't make sense because of development costs. And they're just asking way too much for that property, way too much. Then I knew what the neighbors told me. And the neighbors told me that this house has been for, not the house, the lot, the land has been for sale in the past numerous times. And uh, for my own research as well, I could tell that it has not sold and has not sold for a reason because they're asking too much. And um, so with all this information, all this new information, here's what we did. We go back to my original seller and we present all this information to her and we say, "Hey, Miss, Miss seller, listen. I know we have the house under contract at this price. However, since we put it under contract, this happened. And I showed her this nine-acre parcel that just hit the market. And I explained the potential of what could happen here. I explained that the, the, the developer can buy it. A develop, developer could put a development back there. A developer can change the zoning to cluster homes. And the biggest issue is, um, is that the easement is right next to the house, which will kill the deal for me and for any future buyer in the future, uh, after the flip, who would ever want to buy and live in it. So we explained all this and we said, we're thinking about backing out because there's just too much risk. So guess what she says? She says, all right, um... I really got to get rid of this house um, because she inherited it and she wanted nothing to do with it. She understood the problems that we explained and she said, "Um, what if I dropped the price? So we're like, hmm. So we started thinking, you know, this this is actually a negotiation tactic. Uh, But we pretended like we started thinking. Um, knowing that, yeah, that's what we're that's what we want. We want we want you to drop the price. So anyway, she drops the price, and we got a price reduction on this thing like literally a week before closing. So let's fast forward now. My plan with with this house uh, was to basically rehab it, quick quick flip back on the market, um, and if the future buyer would come to us and say hey, listen, this lot behind the house is for sale, um, I'm afraid that a development's going to go in there. We would give them all this information. Like, well, first of all, we did the research, never going to happen. This house has been, this, this lot has been on the market forever. Nobody ever bought it. Um, here's why, here's the zoning, here's how it's zoned, here's how it could potentially be zoned, and here's why it's not going to happen. So we already had literally everything laid out. And if anyone came to us with... Um, you know this uh, concern. We already had the answer for him. So in my mind, I was like, "All right, listen, we're going we're still gonna flip it. We're gonna sell it, and we'll we'll take care of this on the back end." Well, <clears throat> so we did put it under contract um, with the price reduction. Got a heck of a deal. We went ahead and flipped this thing in 30 days, like uh, like I expected, like less than 30 days. It was flooring paint. Uh, redesigned the kitchen, refaced the cabinets, new quartz countertop, new lighting, uh, painted the basement. Done. Took us thirty days, um, and we and we listed it back on the market. Well, guess what happened, guys? Guess what? You'll never guess this. The day that we listed this flip on the market, that other lot behind us was taken off the market. Believe it or not, it's the timing just lined up crazy like that, and. And I remember even like, oh, okay, cool. Our flip is live. Let me log log in and see. And I'm I'm checking it. Out. I was like, whoa, whoa, where's this nine acre lot for sale? And that lot was literally taken off the market like that day. So all this research and all this worry I had, uh, literally like it was for nothing because that <laughs> that lot was taken off the market. Uh, what ended up happening at the you know fast forwarding to the very end, we sold the house. Multiple offers above asking. Um, it, it was just crazy. <laughs> above asked like literally, we were getting blown up with offers and showings just because the layout was so nice. It was a ranch. Um, the remod- remodel that we did was nice too. Um, <clears throat> I'll do a case study on just the flip alone, but yeah, we we made like six figures on the flip, um, and it was an amazing deal you know, we had to go through a lot of research and took a huge risk up front. Think about that. I took a huge risk up front buying this house, knowing that the lot in the back may potentially be developed, but I still took the risk and did my research, you know, calculated risk. I took the risk, did my research. And and then when it came to the actual disposition at the very end, um, I guess, call it luck, call it whatever, that parcel in the back was taken off the market. And <clears throat> we sold our flip in one day and made six figures in 30 days. All right, guys. Well, um, hopefully you guys learned a lot about zoning or maybe a little. And and hopefully with this story that I told you, at least you kind of got to know and see uh, kind of like the zoning Uh, path that you can take and who to call, what questions to ask, uh, the different types of zonings there are, and how zoning may potentially impact you on your future deals, even if it's not your zoning, even if it's like an adjacent lot or a lot that's behind you. Um, But all that does have an effect um, when you're a real estate investor, because you got to look at everything. You got to be very vigilant and observant and pay attention to detail. That's what I learned from my old job. (laughs) All right, guys. um, Thank you guys for listening, and I will see you on the next podcast. Peace.